Hey guys, this is Marie Marks, the founder in Seattle Bridal, and welcome on a new episode of Game Changers. Today I'm discussing with Jordan. Jordan is the founder of Aztec Diamond Equestrian, a really cool fashion brand that is already fairly known within the equine industry today. She's going to tell us about her journey as an entrepreneur, how everything is running a fashion business in the world of horses, discover many interesting part of her personality about her journey and yeah don't hesitate to follow us on instagram and subscribe to this podcast take care of yourself see you soon ciao ciao. i can hear you now hi jordan hi maddie how are you i'm doing great this this podcast thing is quite challenging eh yeah a couple of technical issues but we're here (laughs) (laughs) we're here indeed how's everything going on your side yeah, really good. I've had a really good week. Uh, what about yourself? Busy, busy, but I'm sure you know what it takes when you want to be a, a women entrepreneur taking, <laughs> challenging an industry like ours. Of course, I know exactly what that feels like. It's very tiring. but It's very it's tiring, good. but it's all worth it. <laughs> For sure. So you, you're in the UK, right? Yes, I am. So we live, um, we're in the north of the UK in um, a city called Durham. Okay, yeah, yeah. And where are you, Maddie? Where are you from? Right now, so I, I was actually born in the UK. Um, oh, you I'm, were? Okay. I'm Franco-British, yeah. So I've got a weird accent. That's why. <laughs> Do you know what? I could I can hear a little bit of something coming through, but I couldn't work out what it was. So I was born in Newmarket. Right, uh, yes. Horse racing city. My, my father's a trainer, so I've always been kind of in that world also. And I grew up in France in the South, my mom's friend. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, you've had such a mix then. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty interesting mix. Pretty interesting mix for sure. What about yeah. yourself? Fully British? Yes, fully British. Um, I've, I've always lived here all my life. So, yeah, nothing nothing too interesting about um, my family tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Britain is a, is, a very cool, is a very cool country. At the end of the day, when we look at horses, it, it's in our blood, you know? Yeah, no, it is. It is. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, hey, I'm excited. I'm excited about this chat simply because I've been kind of following you for a while. Uh, Discreet, oh, how do you say this? Discreetly and and kind of like <laughs> I've seen the full Forbes 30 on the 30 thing. And yeah, that was amazing. Honestly, I think um, I when I first, I won a, a big award in the UK for the Lloyds Bank um, Young Entrepreneur of the Year. And that that for me was huge. And they um, put me forward for the Forbes um 30 under 30 and it was just one of those things where I was so honored that somebody had put me forward but I thought you know I'm obviously I'm never going to win and then one morning I some people were just messaging me saying oh my goodness you're on Forbes and oh god it was so emotional <laughs> I couldn't believe it oh god but, but what what is the reaction when you wake up and you're on Forbes do you start crying do you run oh I was hysterical I was literally I cried all day it was amazing <laughs> oh my god like and- ecstatic happy tears but just just so overwhelmed couldn't believe it well, that's amazing. And, and how long after did after starting did that happen? So the brand will be seven in May this year. So it was six years after the brand launched. It was this time last year. Okay, excellent, excellent. So that's a lot. I mean, a lot of work put. When you think about it, it's it's a title that means so much, but it, it kind does. of covers the ups and downs of, of your journey, right? Yeah, for sure. I think um to get to a point where where I have, I think there's a, there's different perceptions, I suppose, that people have, but it takes so much to get here. It's a yeah, lot yeah. that you know you don't see from you don't see a lot of the behind the scenes from what you see on the outside. So it from a personal point of view, for I know how hard I've worked. It you know it just meant so much. That's amazing. That, that, I mean, I'm sure I, I get you. And I think 
there's one thing I don't think there's so many people that we can call equestrian driven entrepreneur that are that are girls right so yeah from I my think standpoint, um, it's like a lot of emotional roller coasters but yeah it's a, it's a different industry and I think I, I really enjoy it and I think it's it's good in some ways because it is so niche so there yeah. there is a obviously there's a smaller market but and it's a smaller more specific um, area that you're looking at which I find a lot more uh, interesting um, a lot of people have said to me we do a lot of sportswear and um, things like that within the brand and people always say to me why don't you do gym wear and breach out of the equestrian and I just have no interest because I just love my market yeah yeah and then at the same time like we speak of a, of a niche but when you look at um, the the entire equine market it's a 248 billion euros per year market so yeah it's, it's huge it's, it's specific but yeah. it's massive yeah I think it's the word good. niche scares people away a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I agree with you on that. I think the definition is probably used um, in the wrong term, and I am myself um, subject to that. And um, and and how did everything start? I suppose you you've you've been a lifelong horse rider. Yes. So I started riding when I was seven or eight. I didn't come from an equestrian background like yourself. None of my parents had horses, and I was just instantly hooked. So as a young child and a teenager all I did was was ride and spend my time at the yard um and I got my first pony when I was 10 and where I didn't come from a particularly wealthy family so all the way through my teens I used to work at the yard to be able to afford the upkeep of my pony and horse um, and then I started show jumping when I was 14 so I was on a show jumping yard I used to work there and in return for like doing their horses and being the groom they used to take me to shows so as a teenager, I found that there was a niche in the market for what was um, affordable but fashionable equestrian clothing. Yeah. Because I came from a, a normal working class family and we really struggled to kind of keep up with the upkeep of the horse and, you know, me being able to have clothing that made me feel confident and made me feel good enough. So that was the real ethos behind the brand and where it started. And then I went to college after I left school to study business and textiles and I did that for a year with the aim in mind that I was going to start the brand then my grandma unfortunately passed away and my mum um I got some inheritance my mum got some inheritance and then we both put put the money together and we started the brand oh that's such it's sad but it's such a beautiful story yeah I think it is and I think my grandma would be proud for sure oh she would she would definitely big time I think even if, if someone like me that doesn't know you personally can rely so much on what you're saying. Like, yeah. it's the same for me. Like, you know, very hardworking, very driven, very ambitious, which scares people away. But on my end, starting Bridal and, and my company, very young also. How, how old are you, Marie? A, I'm 22. Oh, you're only 22. Uh, you're younger than yeah, me. Yeah. 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 So started the company last year. We launched beginning of February. So it's, it's a new thing, but it's also that thing where... You know, my, my father was indeed like a very good horseman in, yeah. in Newmarket, but I don't come from a wealthy background at all. Like, yeah. totally the opposite, but we worked really hard. So I, I really, really appreciate that and, and your your capacity to be so transparent. And I think that's why so many people can appreciate also the brand because it, it's become a it's big brand now, but isn't it also because people can see themselves within it? Because if it was a luxury yeah. brand, yeah. it's got lots of luxury brands, but this one is like, oh, it's affordable, but it's 
top, but it's still, you know, it corresponds to who I want to be, but on an affordable stand, stand, standpoint. Yeah, know? I think people can relate, relate to myself and relate to the ethos behind the brand. And, you know, we were able to offer young girls the ability to buy into the brand. Um, but everything still looks luxury and high end. So I think because, you know, we, we've built a community around the brand, it has a real different feel to just it's not just a clothing brand. And that's something that I'm really proud of. That's amazing. No, no, no. It's, it's super good. One question. I'm super curious. I never figured it out. And I was always curious. Why Aztec Diamond? So my horse was called Aztec Diamond. So that's where the name came from. Ah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it was it's not that... that original then. I thought you, you know, you went to South America and got inspired. <laughs> no, do you know what? A lot of people ask me, and when I think about it, you know, obviously when I think of the name, I think of my horse. But when I think of it without thinking of my horse, I think, oh, maybe, maybe some people would find it a little bit strange. But no, my um, Irish um, horse from when I was 16 to she got put down when I was 19. Bless her. Um, but no, I, I named the brand after her. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, so it's such a personal, personal, yeah, personal it is. project. This is so amazing. No, I, I love that. And and today's so like, I mean, what does the look, the life of the CEO of Aztec Diamond Equestrian look like? So I can't lie, it's not particularly glamorous. Um, I think people <laughs> look at you know Instagram and they see you know I I post pictures when I go on holiday or when I go out with my friends, but that's you know a a percentage of the time and the rest of the time it's really just kind of sat in an office there's been a lot of lonely lonely days lonely nights um but I've luckily now built such a fantastic team around me but it's very it's not particularly glamorous so I think if somebody follows me around with a camera for a week I think everybody would get pretty bored of how much I just sit on a computer <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's it's the same it's the same here we should do a, a keeping up with equestrian entrepreneurs yeah we should too. we should <laughs> quite a good idea actually yeah i think people would like that <laughs> no it's true it's true i feel you it's a lot of i mean on my end personally it's a lot of office a lot of calling a lot of yeah following up with sellers and pulling my hair out and uh and crying sometimes but you know <laughs> as we say i can't say i cry very often marie but um <laughs> <laughs> you did at the beginning for sure <laughs> well if it's not even you know might not be crying but it might be emotional yeah <laughs> so that's amazing and, and how kind of like could you tell me a bit about perhaps the the way in which the the brands grew because like I'm sure at the beginning it wasn't easy to get to where it stays so what was the journey like yeah so when when I started the brand I started I own and I did it on a year for a year by myself and then my mum quit her job and she took redundancy money I don't know if you have that in France um to leave her job and she came into the brand with me and then for the first few years it was difficult because I know you know anybody starting a business will understand cash flow problems and I think when you yeah. when you or none of your family have any don't have any experience in business there's a lot of things that you don't know about and you don't understand until you actually get to them and you think oh my goodness we, we need money to pay for this so I think that was you know what definitely one of the challenges in the early stages um, and luckily I'm quite interested in um, numbers and cash flow and all that sort of thing so I think that was one of the strong strength points from myself as to how we managed to grow the brand but I think really the the thing that grew the brand was the product and it continues to grow the brand is you know our biggest form of marketing has always been and will always be for um oh my goodness what is what I've totally forgot what was in my mouth you know when something's in your head word of mouth goodness word of mouth <laughs> is the biggest and the best 
um, marketing tool you can get. And luckily for us, because when we launched the brand, there was nothing in the market of its kind. The brand grew exponentially in the first three years because there was just nothing at that price point that, that looked like my products do. No, no, it's, it's amazing. But when you look at it, at the same time as I'm talking to you, I, I'm literally stalking again, again and again, the Instagram. <laughs> like even the sketches that you put forward to showcase your ideas mm-hmm. are high-end looking. And it's it's pretty impressive. No, 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 it's, it's an amazing work. And out of curiosity, what about you? Like, how old are you? I'm 26 this year. Okay, okay, excellent. Oh, yeah, so we're both very young. Yeah, I'm 25. That's, that's amazing. And you started when you were what? About my age? I was 17, younger. actually, um, when I started working oh. on the brand. I think the brand launched when I was just before I turned 19, I want to say. And then, no, I was 18. 18, and then it's been seven years to this year, which I'm 25. So, yeah, I was 18. That's incredible. And um, and, and what does, like, you, you still have time to ride horses? Do you keep relation with the, with the horse world itself, apart from the brand, or...? Do you know what? This is a really um, strange subject for me. I was completely horse obsessed all the way through my teens. And then when my horse got put down when I was 19, I the business was had just launched. Um, I was traveling all the time. I was obviously, you know what it's like when you start running a business. And I just didn't actually get another horse. So at the minute, um, I've been waiting to kind of settle down, as you would say to know yeah. about where I'm going to be. And it's been something that I've been thinking about quite a lot over the last six months. I think especially in lockdown, haven't been able to go away, haven't been, haven't had to travel, so I've been sat at home. But that's one thing that I feel is definitely missing in my life at the moment is the fact that I don't actually ride anymore. This is, you know what, what I'm going to say is, is very personal, but it's so incredible because we have quite a lot in common. When I was 19, I had an accident also with, mm-hmm. uh, with my horse and got put down. <laughs> oh, uh, you did as well. Been- yeah, yeah, and yeah. since then I didn't uh, didn't show jump again. I didn't do much. Yeah, and uh, since that day, I mean, I rode a little bit, but I don't almost don't ride these days simply because you know running the business, yeah. no time, and comp- but I'm I'm just happy being around them. Like I don't need to be on their backs anymore. Yeah, That's I mean, I I still I still feel like I'm totally ingrained in the industry. You know, we go to shows and yeah. network. I speak to uh, about horses all hours of the day. Um, but I, I do personally really miss riding. So I think yeah, yeah. I think I am going to get another one. Hopefully, maybe sometime this year. We'll see. <laughs> well, if you need to buy a horse. <laughs> I'll come to you. <laughs> you know where to come. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll buy clothing from you and you can buy horses from us. <laughs> yeah, good idea. We'll do a trade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. That's amazing. So what would you say, like, I mean, we speak about challenges and stuff, but generally speaking not just from a from a woman's perspective but just from a general perspective and not only from the equestrian perspective but what has been the biggest challenges that you've had so far throughout the years as an entrepreneur and did you struggle at the beginning to be taken seriously have you had like confidence problems how how did that go um i think starting with the the last question confidence problems i've luckily always been quite well a very confident person and i think i was slightly naive in the beginning but I I think it was a good thing because I backed myself 100% I didn't have any doubt in where we were yeah so I think the the main obstacles that I had within the brand were you know like we've already spoke about cash flow yeah was you know and I think with starting any brand I think people have have issues with cash flow and yes unless you're very fortunate so that was one of the biggest things to juggle um and then the second thing I think that was really difficult to deal with was because I was 
um, an entrepreneur at such a young age. And I, you know, I would never, no regrets and would never take anything back. And I know it's what you need to do to build a, a big business. But I, in the early days, missed out on quite a lot of social activities and um, events with my friends and things like that. Um, especially when a lot of my friends were at the age where they were going off to university and they were going out and socializing all the time. And I was kind of sat in, sat in an office for seven days a week. So I think that was definitely one of the biggest challenges I faced in the early days. No, that's for sure. That's for sure. Hard. To be fair, I'm quite, I'm quite um, happy that uh, at the moment, no one parties, no one goes to festival. So yeah, it's, I'm not it's... facing the problem on the same level. Yeah, you've, had, you've done it on a good year. You're not missing anything. <laughs> no but it's, it's quite hard I, I do feel you like whenever for example I get invited and, and like or even just just to have a normal life like for example I, I live in Barcelona so people text me hey let's go yeah. to the beach play volleyball I'm like no I've got to you know do whatever reply to mails and they just don't understand and also from my end because I don't yet support myself completely with the business um, I continue to work for 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 a fund in the US so oh, right. I have double the amount of work yeah right? you have but to. I'm sure I mean it's needed you know yeah, sometimes. I mean, if you're passionate enough about it, the work isn't bad. I don't think you, you struggle to do the work when you're passionate about something. It just it ends up taking over a lot of your life. So I think people that need, want to start a business, you know, you've just got to be prepared. Yeah, yeah. But the, what, what, the topic about passion is so important. Like, for example, before before starting Bridal, I, um, I mean, still now, I, I also work in venture capital. So we invest in startups and things like that. And, yeah. Um, and the, the topic of passion is is so um misunderstood by a lot of people there's a lot mm-hmm. of people that are like oh hey i want to start a business but then when when they actually start a business and realize how hard it actually is they give up easily whereas for example on your end or on my end for example i face issues with with the company or with bridal or even team stuff and like little things which on a daily basis if you're not passionate and obsessed about making this a success it's quite yeah hard. i think as well i i agree with you on the misconception of passion because you see a lot in, um, you know, quotes on Instagram and things like that. People are always saying you need to find your passion as if it's kind of there's one thing for everybody and that is supposed to be your job. Not everybody is lucky enough to have their job as a passion. Some people are yeah. passionate about cooking. Some people are passionate about walking their dogs. Some people are passionate about, you know, going going out. So I think there's I do. I agree with you and think that there's a big um, misperception on that people seem to think that they need to have a passion they need to find their passion and it's one thing and it's in their work but passions change no no for sure for sure and, and passions it's like kind of like i don't know if, you, if you've had that but for example on my case with the horses um today i'm passionate about horses because i'm mixing my love for entrepreneurship for business because i love building businesses with uh, equestrian sports but yeah. i also know that when i worked in stables because i have i worked in racing and worked in different countries i did show jumping and all of that after riding 10 horses a day at the end of the day, during after six months, I was so exhausted. I just didn't want to do that anymore. And I didn't feel like that was my, my purpose. My yeah, life, right? no, I totally agree. When, I, when I'm completely obsessed with horses, but it's not the same. I don't know how to explain it. I feel like building a business like we do as a, as a startup or a growing company, but that has this really big uh, business part to it, because without it, it's impossible, is, is kind of a great balance between both sides. Yeah, I think in the early days, I assumed that my passion was equestrian fashion. But I think as I've grown into the business, I've realized that my passion isn't equestrian fashion. It's just running a business. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super, it's super cool. It's super cool. No, no, I really, I really appreciate that. 
And um, and, and how did you grow? Like, because, you know, seven years into it, it's a lot of effort, a lot of this, a lot of that. But there must be quite a strong strategy behind it because you don't grow a 200,000 following, 200,000 uh, followers community without the right strategy. What and would you say has made the brand successful? You know what? I'm going to be very honest with you. For In the very early days, so I would say up until six, five or six years in, probably not until the last couple of years, we didn't have any strategy. I didn't know anything about how to create a strategy, how to set out a strategy. Um, I got a business consultant who's like my mentor and she came on board about a year and a half ago and she's taught me strategy um, and, you know, put things in place and put a structure in place within the company. But before then, just totally winging it, to be quite honest, seeing what worked, seeing what didn't, learning from mistakes. Um, and yeah, and I, I think we were, I was very lucky in the beginning to have the brand at just the right time when Instagram was at that peak point before, you know, we all know these days how difficult it is to grow a brand on Instagram. It's yeah. virtually impossible these days. But when I started the brand, it wasn't as difficult as it is now. And mm-hmm. because there was nothing in the market of this of a similar thing, we were, you know, we really started brands on Instagram. There was no equestrian brands that had profiles on Instagram when we started. So I think that was another reason why we grew so fast. No, no, that's that's super cool. That's super cool. You're definitely a good winger, as you say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See what works and what doesn't. Just testing things out. No, for sure. And did you have a lot of, because um, because you know there is this perspective to it, which is a lot of a lot of uh, aesthetic related to fashion. So so how did you find the aesthetic for your brand? How did you choose the models? How did you put that that visual aspect to it in place? Because on my end, for example, okay, we need visuals. We need nice to showcase it's nice horses, all of that, and the professional working with us. But it's not a modeling, you know, fashion image is judged so fast. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you start that without experience? Um, that is what comes really natural to me. So I design all the products myself, um, and that okay. comes really naturally to me. But also the aesthetic and the look of the brand, that's something that I am still very heavily involved in. And, and like I say, it's just been very natural to me. I have a very specific vision. I'm very... Um, decisive on what I want and what I like and that's just you know it's worked really well for the brand no that's amazing that's amazing I really I really think you have you have a tremendous talent it's it's really cool really really cool and I also love that it's a girl doing it and that's amazing that people are gonna listen to this thinking I'm just uh speaking about feminism all the way (laughs) that's what it sounds like it's really cool well a lot and, of people uh, fan- think i'm a man because of my name when i emailed them so maybe that went well for me in the beginning jordan <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe I should... i'm not gonna change my name but you know let's see let's see what happens <laughs> and um you know because because y- you did you did bring a certain perspective of innovation as you were mentioning yeah you brought um to a market something that did not exist before so on one end i'm sure it was very successful because people loved what you were proposing and, and bought into that. But do you feel like there has been challenging challenges when it came to innovation? Um, one of the biggest challenges we have faced within the brand is developing the britches. And I've had this specific vision in my head for about three years of exactly what I want the britches to be. And it has been so difficult to find the perfect fabrics and the perfect trims for this product. So they are actually launching finally in July this year, but that has been one of the biggest things I think. And it's just experience with being able to, you know, how do you, it's, it's okay developing simpler products, but when you get to something, when you need really specific and you want really technical fabrics that need to work a certain way and do a certain job, it does become difficult. 
um but it's again it's just all learning curves absolutely and i know i'm sure i'm sure that it must be quite a challenge because there is there is this this sport aspect to it which is not like traditional fashion yes and i know i get you where the products um produced we uh, manufacture the products across europe and in asia okay well that's cool that's cool and uh from a from a business standpoint where would you say is like the biggest market that you guys have so at the moment it's predominantly uk um, oh, our, cool. our second biggest market is america okay. then germany then the arab emirates which is um, a strange one and then france oh that's amazing i've seen that also recently you had your first sponsored professional athlete collaboration yes we do um ellen whitaker yeah, yeah, no, I've seen, I've seen, <laughs> which is amazing, which is super cool. And like, how did that work? She's wearing your brand to the shows, or, or how how does that function? Yeah, I and mean, how did you I signing? I can't lie, I totally had a bit of a fangirl moment when we first had the meeting with her because Ellen's someone you know from from when I was a teenager in children, and she was always my idol. Um, so yeah. I was completely overwhelmed to you know be able to be working with somebody like her, and she's amazing. She's such a, re- a really nice girl. Um, and she's perfect for the brand. So she, we've been working with her. We've had to have a little bit of a break recently, just, you know, because of coronavirus, we can't do any photo shoots. She's been all over the place trying to get her horses into um, Europe. And I know a lot of people have had these issues with Brexit happening from the UK. So we've taken a yeah. little bit of a back step for a couple of months, but we're ready to pick up again for summer. And hopefully we can get out to some shows with her. Well, that's amazing. But I mean, I, I totally feel you when you speak about the, the fangirl moment, you know, Without giving names, because if I if I do that publicly, <laughs> hate it. But I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you a call afterwards. I'll tell yeah, you, yeah you can tell me. Private. But there's a few people which I have on the phone now today, and I'm like, oh my god! When I was 14, I was watching them on TV. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy, isn't it? But it's like it's there. I think there's this quote. I can't remember. Isn't it? Um, work hard until your idols become your rivals, or something. Yeah, like I think that? that's. I think that is a famous one. I'm not sure who by, but yeah. Something like that, something like that. That's, that's super cool. Okay, and um, in speaking quickly, and, and I'm not going to take so much more of your time, um, where do you see the brand and where do you see yourself? Because is this the, the, the only project that you have? What's going on? Yes, this is all I do. This is my life. Okay. Um, I, I think I, I don't... Some people have different opinions, but I don't think you can do anything properly if you're doing more than one thing. You know, the, the amount of time that I like to spend with the brand, I don't think I could possibly do anything else. So, yeah, this is my only only goal. And the aim for the brand is really we are um, we've got a lot of we've had a lot of change in the brand this year. So a lot more staff we have employed um, people that are really experienced in certain areas. Our main problem that we have all the time, which I'm sure you've probably seen, is that we never have any stock, which is not the worst thing, but it's not <laughs> ideal for growth. Um, we never seem to order enough stock. There's always delays and customers can't get what they need. So I think we just need to, we've got a lot of new products coming for summer, a lot of new products. I think there's over 150 items coming in. Um, so we need to, we're moving warehouse soon. Um, so I think the aim is just to get them in and then we're going to focus on the UK for a year and then it'll probably be um, America straight after them. No, that's that's super, super, super cool. No, that's that's really amazing. Now, I, I agree with you when it comes to, to to the time in which you dedicate some things. You know, like, I think there's always something more that you can do if, if it's your brand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and that really reflects you at the same time, which is cool. Yeah. Which is definitely really cool. I mean, I can't think of, of a day in the past seven years where I have not had something I could do. 
you know it's it's, it's no, just no, no. the ongoing I mean, I yeah <laughs> i totally feel you no that's super cool well oh, jordan uh thank you so oh, much thank you and for having me it was lovely to speak to you no, definitely amazing. And I think there's going to be great ways in the future where we might even be able to, to collaborate. Oh, 100%. In a way or another. For sure. That, that would be super cool. That would be super cool. Well, Jordan, thank you so much. Thank you for having and, me. Um, and take care of yourself. And all the luck. All the yes, best. you too. And I'll speak soon. And uh, if you know, if you want to buy a horse, just give me a Yeah, ring. if you want to buy any britches, you know where I am. <laughs> Excellent. I'll speak to you Bye. Soon. All right, bye. Hey there, Marie Morris, the founder and CEO of Bridal. And today, welcome on this new episode of Game Changers. Today, we're discussing with Stephen Blumen. Either than just being a top equestrian, Stephen is also the CEO of Ride with Echo, which is an app fairly known for being the Uber of equestrian logistics. In this podcast, we're going to be discussing about innovation, about what his views are as an entrepreneur and top rider. And we also will get in the topic of bridal itself and what he thinks about it. So if you want to find out more, don't hesitate to listen, give this podcast a subscribe and don't hesitate to follow us on Instagram. And of course, start trading with bridal. I'm looking forward to hear further from you. Take care of yourself. See you soon. Ciao, ciao. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good and you? Good, thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So whereabouts are you right now? I am in New York. North Salem, New York. New York City. Very nice. Very nice. You with your horses or? Yeah, my horses. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. So, hey, there's so much to talk about. Um, I mean, as you know, I've been quite excited about the initiative of Ride with Equo and everything that you guys have going because, I mean, the yourself and your family is also known for being very present in, in equestrian sports. So, perhaps... Could you, could you perhaps start by, by telling us a bit about, about you, you know, about who you are, uh, what you do in the U.S., and about, of course, Ride with Equa? Um, well, I was born in Colombia. Um, I'm the fifth of uh, five cousins that ride. Um, we moved to the States uh, uh, like 20 years ago or so. Um, so we did, you know, our school here. I didn't used to ride when I was a kid. I was actually very scared of it. Um, and I started riding myself when I was around eight or nine years old. Um, when we moved from Colombia to the States. And that's when, you know, when, when I started riding. We then moved back to Colombia for a few years in 2004. And then in 2007, my brother and I came back to the States. And that's where we kind of um, established... Um, a little bit more here as a, as a, you know, in the business as, you know, as a professionals. Uh, I did, you know, my university here. Then I moved back to Colombia in 2013 after, you know, many years here with my brother and doing, you know, establishing the business, the equestrian business itself. Then I moved back to Colombia and I worked in the family business for four years, almost five. Um, and then you know, from there is when the idea of Equo came about uh, and I moved back to the States in 2018, I think is when I moved back for end of 17. Um, and that's where, where Equo started, you know, uh, when my brother and I, you know, it created or started the, the question business here, uh, we were, like you said, we we're always very involved in, you know, in every aspect of it. And it's a big part of what we do. 
you know we we move our horses from place to place all the time uh, to compete and um, you know the many drives that we used to do because we don't really drive uh, I started thinking of, of you know how how could it be easier for people to to move their horses you know to you know when you ha- when you have a, a barn to move or you know 10 plus horses or whatever it's a little bit easier to to plan it just because you fill a truck yourself so uh, that's a little bit easy to easier to get done but when you have one two or three horses that's when you get a little bit more complicated because you either have to spend a lot of money and pay for a whole truck for your you know few horses or you have to wait for somebody else to complete booking that truck in order for you to move your horses so you know i put you know one on one together and they and um, and that's how echo started you know it started you know t- trying to to have a tool in the industry where people could uh, book their rights and we would you know use that right to fill a truck that's already going somewhere or create a whole new booking of a whole new truck with different clients you know people that you know they didn't know each other so for them it was impossible to to do it together so it's like a, a network of drivers and a network of clients to be to to be able to move horses you know quickly when you need them to be moved you know nowadays after three or almost four years now that we started uh, it's evolved you know we we do booking for for big operations you know 50 60 plus horses and we do still the one horse ride wherever they need to go uh, we do short distance uh, and we do long distance so we do you know if you need to take your horse to a friend's barn for training or you have to take a horse to the clinic or any you know, of these short trips we get those covered and if you need to move your horses from you know from yeah you know across the country we get that covered as well so i describe our, our business model today as a mix between Uber and Expedia for horses in the sense that, you know, you get to book your, your travel plans with time, you know, as long, you know, as much time as you want, or if you need something for right now, we get that covered as well. Um, So that's how I describe the business model today. That's super, super cool. Expedia X Uber for horses. I mean, someone must shift, you know, it's, it's so logical that someone thought about it and it's good that, that someone was you. So you said the business is four years old and it's profitable now. So that's rare for a company, for a startup at least, because it's innovative and and that's that's quite crazy. So how how has it been to innovate at the beginning? Did people believe in you? Did you get criticized? How did it start? You know, it's always difficult to to start a new concept, especially in a in a industry that's been the same way for so many years. You know, the, the horse transportation industry kind of fell behind on technology and uh, and innovation. You know, it's been the same since it started. You know, you call whoever ships your horse and if he can do it, great. If not, great. And you have to keep on looking until you find somebody to do it for you. Um, so, you know, we said there's, it has to be better. You know, uh, our sport is, is grown a lot, you know, uh, the price money is better. The horses are better. The course designers are better. The riders are better. The horses are better. And so the transportation should evolve as well. You know, we're shipping our horses, our most valuable asset. You know, the, the technology behind it should be just as good. You know, so our technology allows for the clients to be able to live track their horses where the truck is, you know, uh, to be in, in contact directly with the driver 
so it's, it's a lot of, of tools inside the app that, that, um, that brought transportation to the 21st century. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of, you know, at the beginning, people doubted the model. Um, and it's okay, you know, it's normal when you, when you bring a new, a new concept, somebody's going to be doubting it, especially the negative people out there. So, uh, of course, you, you heard, you know, that's not, never going to work, you know, it's, uh, it's not good enough, it's never going to make money, uh, you know, all the bad stuff uh, that you can think of, I heard them. Um, and those things obviously at the, in the back of your mind generate a little bit of doubt but I always knew that that it's a, a great tool because I'm a professional in the business and I know how much how much I use it and how much people that I know use it so uh, so I knew that the potential was there and you know when you're innovating in 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 a, in a new space you have to be resilient you have to be um, you know you have to push against against whatever is thrown, you know, your way. Obviously, some of the, uh, you know, oldest companies in the horse transportation industry, um, they didn't like us at the beginning. You know, they were like, oh, these people, you know, they're here to take our business. They're not going to help us. They're going to, you know, they're, they're going to be against us. And uh, in, through time, they understood that we're the opposite. You know, we're here to help everybody. At the end, you know, the customer it needs to move their horse maybe with whoever it needs to go, but it needs to go. So they understood at the end that we're here to help. You know, we're here to to accommodate their needs and the customer needs. So, you know, it, it's still obviously a little bit of a battle, um, but it's part of the business. You know, it's uh, there's no no business without problems. I like to hear what you're saying because... I re- rely a lot on what what you're saying right now, especially with you know you know what we're building with bridal, right? And yeah, some people see us as oh, you're trying to remove the intermediary from the operations, you're trying to take away business from us. When I'm like, no, we're actually trying to help you. So I feel like what you've done with 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 Equo is fantastic. Like it's pretty mind blowing. Um, and I I hope that my business goes half as good as what yours has gone. And, and it's well, for sure it is, you know, like I said, you have to be resilient. You have to take all the criticism, you know, and, and, and adapt it to, because you have to hear the market at the end, the market will tell you, this is what you need to do. Absolutely. You know, so you have to pay attention to what the market has to say and, and adapt your business model to what it's telling you. You know, maybe at the beginning it was too much too soon. So we, we, we took it back a bit and then. You know, when you see that the market is, you know, it's understanding what you're doing, then you throw more information and more stuff into it. But at the beginning, obviously, you have to be cautious because, like I said, you know, especially in our industry, there's still a lot of, you know, older people involved that don't really believe in technology. You know, a lot of them don't even have smartphones. You know, they still have the flip phones. So you have to understand that those people are still out there and they're still boss of some operations. So, so, you know, it is what it is. Maybe when their kids take over, it, it, you know, it changes and it will change because technology is here to make our lives easier. But, you know, it's still there. You know, you have to be patient with, with, with those people because at the end, they, those older people are the ones that have shaped the industry into what we have today. So you have to respect that. Absolutely. Know? I totally agree. And um, so speaking quite, quite a lot, we've covered the topic of, of Red with Equal, but it's not just the Uber for horses. Like you have different models. So you've got Eco Rush, Eco Plan, Eco Pool. Can you, can you walk us a bit over that? 
Yeah, so so Echo Rush is for something more immediate. You know, we have it set in the app as four days or sooner. So if you need something to be done in the next 20 minutes, that's the option you choose. Uh, or you, you have an emergency, that's the option you choose. Uh, Echo Plan is more the Expedia type. You know, so Echo Rush is more the Uber type. Echo Plan is more the Expedia type where you, ha- you, where you have some, you know, a week or so to plan your trip, you know, and that will give you, give us more time to find a, a ride for you, which will in turn give you a better price. So the price between planned and rush changes just because, you know, it's a, it, it's more work and less planning. It's more immediate. And then uh, Echo Pool is, um, is you're allowing us to, to put your horse on a truck that might not go directly to where you want it to go. So you might have two or three stops along the way, but it'll give you a, I know, a, a more affordable price. Okay. So it gives the cost it gives the customers uh, different options uh, where to choose from. That's very cool. And speaking about you, do you, did you have any idea of tech before getting into this? Like nothing. Nothing. Okay. A monkey knew more than I did. <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it's it's hard getting into tech is complicated. I I've, I I've had the same issues. Like I'm from the venture capital perspective, but it's so hard. Everything about tech is so hard. So how did you do it? I mean, I the most important thing is to surround yourself with people that do know. You know, yeah. I don't think there's there's anybody that knows everything. So I put a group of people together that I thought were uh, smart enough, or as I, I even try to think or try to find people that are smarter than I am. You know, because in that sense, you're always you're always advised well. So I surrounded the company with very smart people that could, if they didn't know how to do it, they were very capable of finding who can do it. You know, and I trust, you know, my team is, uh, it's really led by three of us. Uh, and the two people that work with me are, are, you know, are very good at what they do, very smart and capable. So for me, it was, a, yeah, it was putting together a group of people that I could count on and they, and they've been with us all, you know, the whole way. And they, you know, it's been a, you know, it's been a great adventure for all of us. That's super cool. Did the project go through like venture capital funding or is it fully bootstrapped and fully, fully funded? It's fully us. You know, I have a few partners in it, um, you know, but family and friends, there's really no, we haven't, we haven't had the necessity of going out and, and uh, raising, you know, any funds for the company. Uh, and okay, we're profitable now, so I suspect that we won't need that. Um, yeah, so for, you know, we've been very fortunate that the model has, you know, has produced uh, good results. That's excellent, absolutely excellent. So, so the tracking of horses is something that really interests me. And we've talked about that before on the phone. You know, with what we do with Bridal, there's going to be this need to get these horses tracked when they when they travel right yeah um, at the moment you are only in the u.s we're only in the u.s you plan yes. to stay in the u.s only i mean we do that you we do u.s canada and a little bit of mexico okay. um europe has always been in our in our agenda but i just don't have the people there you know i will have to to put together a, a, a team in europe and practically start from scratch you know, we have the app and the app can be used anywhere in the world. But, you know, the, the, the law changes from the U.S. to Europe and in Europe, it changes from country to country. So it's, um, it's a little bit more um, um, 
how do you say that? It's a little bit more tricky, yeah, than it is in the States. And I don't live in Europe. So for me, it would be kind of difficult to be able to manage it there. Uh, But if someone came along that would be interested in partnering up with Equo Europe, the doors are always open. Well, (laughs) you know who you should talk to. (laughs) Yeah. If they want to take the responsibility, great. Oh, no, no. I didn't mean that. (laughs) I didn't mean about taking responsibility. I meant about using your skills and your great product. That's ah, for sure, but I can't. I, <laughs> right now, it has to be established. And the, let's find a way. Let's find a way. No, that's that's super cool. And um, you still ride as a as a professional athlete. Yes. So, yes. how is it to be both an entrepreneur, a CEO, a high level rider? How's everything done? You know, I'm thankful enough that I'm young. You know, I'm 29 years old, so. Uh, I don't really think about everything that I have to do. I just do it. You know, uh, uh, I do what I do, you know, equo and my horses and everything that revolves around me because I love the horses. You know, for me, the passion is through the horse. You know, if I, you know, I read um, a quote from, um, from Marcus Enning last week or this week, actually. I saw it on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Let me, I want to see if I can find it. I don't know if I can find it. But anyways, it said something along the way of, of, um, of that he does what he does because he loves the horse and, the, and, the, and the, that partnership, you know, and the time spent with the horse. And that's how I live it, you know. Uh, uh, so for me, everything I do is around the horses. So, you know, it really, it's, I don't find it difficult. You know, obviously I'm busy and I have to be on my phone you know, when I'm writing and then hang up and then continue. But, you know, you, you, you learn how to, how to live with that and, and adapt your time schedule for it. But for me, it's not a, you know, it's not a problem. Again, you have to surround yourself with, with a good team. You know, I have a good team when it comes to my horses. I have a good team when it comes to Equa. I have a good team when it comes to my other businesses. So, you know, you have to have good people and a good team so that you can count on them to do what they need to do. Because in life, you can't do everything. You know, you, you can manage and be be the head of a lot of things but you can't be on the day-to-day of everything you know there's just not enough not enough hours in the day i struggle with that still <laughs> you no, have no. to learn, you have to learn how to delegate absolutely absolutely it's it's a difficult skill to develop eh? yeah i mean i learned it from a very young age you know i i delegate a lot of stuff you know i don't delegate what i can't you know what i or what i don't want to but what I can, you delegate, you know, you, you have people that are capable, you know, and you let them work and that's it. You know, you can't micromanage. Hello? I lost you for a second. Can yeah. you hear me? I, I lost you and you cannot micromanage. Yeah, that's what I say. You can't micromanage. You can macromanage, but you can't micromanage. No, no, that's, that's very, very, very true. I mean... The, 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 for example, I faced a little issue when I when I started my project. Um, I was so wanting, I wanted everything to be perfect that I did have at times this tendency to want to verify everything about everything. But you drive yourself crazy. If you don't trust your team, you can. it's impossible. When we launched, when we launched Equo four years ago, it wasn't 80% ready, the app. But I said, the team we're launching, I don't care work it make it work make it happen and we launched and along the way you you finish it you know but if you don't launch if you don't start it's like a hamster wheel because you're always going to find a problem yeah. with it 
totally. And there's this quote when when you think about the startup perspective, like uh, you know, if you launch a product that is not making you ashamed, it means that you launched too late. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it true. Is. You know, when we launched, we had a lot of bad stuff. We even had spelling mistakes that we didn't catch. <laughs> you know, but we caught them and we changed them. You know, that's, that's excellent. It. That's super cool. That's super cool. Speaking about your your stable, quickly, what? Uh, how many horses do you have? What type? Who's your favorite horse? What type of classes do you can really compete? Uh, I think between all of the ones that I have, I think I have between ten and mm-hmm. twelve horses at the moment. Um, be, from you know babies all the way up to you know my Grand Prix horses. Uh, at the moment, my favorite and the one that I like the most is B Blue, Duperron is his name. He's a 10-year-old uh, French gelding uh, by um, Old Chatham. And uh, he's doing, you know, the, the middle 50, middle 55 classes. Um, you know, he's my best horse. Uh, I think maybe the best horse I've ever had. Um, you know, big hopes for him for the future. And yeah, I'm very excited for him. That's excellent stuff. Okay, no, that's cool. That's cool. And um, you know, how the how is the current reaction from the market to to Echo? I'm sure people love it, but do they keep giving you feedback on things that they want to see happen? Yeah, you know, especially at the beginning when it was a new thing, there was a lot of chatter and a lot of talk. You know, you could hear people talking about it. Um, but the the app is very stable now. You know, it's a you know, we, like every app, you know, we have some, you know, once in a while we have some sort of crash because something happened in the code. But, you know, it's it's a pretty stable now. After four years, I think we kind of got the, the hang of it. We recently launched Equo Air. So we can, we now can also fly horses. Um, obviously, the live tracking of that is a little bit more intricate, you know, because we don't own the planes <laughs> and we can't give any to the pilots. Um but you know nowadays there's there's a lot of flight tracking systems so you can if you have the flight number you just you know put it down on a flight tracker on google and you can track you know where that plane is and we partner you know we have different uh, partners on that end of it so uh, yeah we can do from that from the door stable in in Belgium to the door stable in the US or anywhere in the world without any problem. That is fantastic. And that is one way in which I want to work with you. Yes or yes. Can I can I yeah, ask you sure. your honest opinion on how you see the equine trade industry today? That's a complicated question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. No, no, for sure. I can I mean I think I'm going to answer the question as if a client was, was, was asking okay. me. And the way I answer the question is you have to surround yourself with honest, transparent people. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of, you know, of black sheep out there, if you want to call it like that, um, that kind of give the industry a bad taste, you know, and have, you know, uh, done not good by the people. So a lot of clients have been lost out of the industry completely because of this type of, of, of people. Um, however, I think there there are a lot of people out there still that are very good, honest, and transparent people. It's a it's a it's an industry that you're dealing with animals, you know. So it's 
to put a standard on prices is very difficult, you know, because for you as the owner of your horse, you might think it's the best thing ever. But for me as the trainer, I think he's a very normal horse. So in your mind, you might think you have a million dollar horse and in my mind, you have a $50,000 horse, you know, so so it's kind of it's a it's a it's a difficult industry and the only way that you can be protected as a buyer today is to surround yourself with people that you can trust if not what what at some point sooner rather than later you're gonna get you know you're gonna get into a situation where you're gonna be very uncomfortable no that, that's definitely true and, and that's one of the reasons why why originally i i wanted to, to start bridal it's a it's a very complicated project and we can see some trends in the market that are going towards what we want to do. But our aim is to, is to bring this transparency, this security. And this is why I would also see a great possibility for us in the future to work together with Equo for like the flights going to the US and all of that. Because we want to bring constant reassurance to both buyers and sellers that their horses that are on one end a very highly valuable animal, but on the other side, their friend and their best companion is taken care of in the best way. So what would you what would you suggest us as a company to think about first when it comes to the user? When it comes to the user as a as the seller or the buyer? Both. <laughs> uh, I mean when I when I in the buyer you want to give them a sense of security when it comes to their money. You know? Because when you're buying a horse, it's a risk. You know, it's a it's a risk that you're always taking when you're buying a horse. So you want to make sure that you protect that money as as, as well as you can. You know, uh, obviously you're not the seller. You're just a, you're the broker per se. You're brokering the deal uh, between the buyer and the seller. Uh, but they want to know, you know, that their money is safe. You know, what type of insurances you have. You know, is, is you do you have liability insurance? If something happens before the horse gets there. What happens, you know, what type of contract is there between you and the seller and the buyer? You know, I think that's a very important part of the of the equation that we went through, too, you know, because we're a middleman as well. So, so you know, everybody has those type of questions. Uh, and from the seller's side, uh, you know, you want to, uh, like we spoke earlier, let them know that you're here to help them, you know, sell more. You know, there's a lot of people that are just pure dealers and they just want to sell horses. And also those people want to sell more. So you have to show them that that's what you're here to help them do, you know, for them to sell more. So I think it's, you know, you always want to give both sides peace of mind, you know, that they, that, that their interests are taken care of. Absolutely. There's some, there's some challenges that we're facing also these days is that, you know, we've got lots of people selling with us and we got our first, uh, our first sales recently after launching the company very recently. But, but basically some people feel like, well, the horse shouldn't be on, on a page, which we totally understand for exclusive horses and things, but people feel like it devalues them. What would be your, your answer to this? I mean, some people don't, but some people do. I think that, you know, there's always, like we spoke earlier, there's always going to be people that are negative. Yeah. You know, you're, you're doing something that is new, you know. for Some people might think, oh, if I, if I put my horse on a website or an app, you know, it means that I'm desperate to sell. You know, that's what some people might think. You know, but that's not necessarily true. You know, because you, when you, when you, when you use an app like like Bridal, you are you are growing your customer base exponentially. You know, because your connections are limited as a, as a as a seller. But an app that anybody that anybody can go into, then you're 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 promoting your business 
worldwide that before you couldn't. So I, you know, I don't think you're, you're depreciating the value of your horse. You know, I think if you're talking about the top notch, you know, uh, Olympic uh, horses, you know, those horses are, are, are a different story. You know, those horses, you know, if they, if they get sold, they're very close private deals. You know, those are in deals that are, that are done through, that's, it's very private, you know, but you're talking about the, the, the big chunk of the business, which is the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the normal horses that you, if you want to call them normal, um, you know, I don't think it, they lose their value at all. You know, I think it's a great tool for the, for the buyer and the seller, you know, you have access to more horses and you have from the buyer side, you have access to more buyers on the seller side. So absolutely. For sure. For sure. I, I like your perspective. I like your perspective. Would you say that once we're available in Wellington, you you'll start using us as a, as a tool? For sure. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> makes me happy. Sometimes I mean, we're not, we're not a dealers. So we're not big sellers, <laughs> but but yeah, for sure. Why not? You know, we, we're thinking about different things at the moment and um, we're having a lot of discussions with, with both dealers, buyers, sellers, and, and also with some of the very top riders at the ranking. And we're discussing with them to find a way in which we, we can cover in the future both top horses up to five star and like for investors to scout them in a better manner. And these, as you call, normal horses that are more around $100,000. And I think there is so much work to do and, and so much potential in this industry that that innovation can, can bring such a good impact, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, no, that's very, very cool. Very cool. Well, Stephen, I mean, thank you so much for, for your time. It's been super cool. And uh, of course. I'm excited to get something going with, with Echo in the future. Let's see what that will be. But that will be awesome. Of course, anything you guys need, you know, you have my number and everything. So always welcome. Super good. Super good. Well, thank okay. you so much. Take care of yourself. I'll speak to you soon. And, Will do. Uh, and uh, don't hesitate to subscribe to the podcast. Okay, I will. <laughs> Excellent. Take care of yourself. Thank you. All Take right, care. Bye-bye.